I wanted to uh, uh, introduce you to uh, Scott Coburn, who's our general counsel here at PSATS and director of education. And as I said, we're going to dive a little deeper uh, into uh, the permitted uses of, uh, of these ARP, fee ARP funds. Uh, Scott. Thanks, Joe. Uh, I'm going to spend the next few minutes talking about more information that we have received through the Treasury regs on uh, the permitted uses. I'm going to focus on the first permitted use, which as you can see up there is responding to the COVID-19 uh, emergency or any of the negative economic impacts as a result of that. Um, I know that all of the speakers so far have, have alluded to this. It is important that we have a lot more information than we did in March, but we by no means have all of the information. For example, the permitted uses that you will see referenced on the upcoming slides are, are taken directly from the Treasury Department's interim final rule. Uh, at the same time, the Treasury Department has made clear that those are non-exhaustive lists of permitted uses. So as long as you stay within the framework of the, the guidance that we'll talk about here, you will be okay, but you are by no means limited to all of the all of the specifics that, that I will be talking about and in the follow-up presenters as well. So that first permitted use, the absolute critical touchstone that you have to make uh, sure you're paying attention to is whether and how the use of the funds, those recovery funds, would respond to the COVID-19 emergency. So what's that mean? You have to identify a need or a negative impact, and you have to identify how the money that you're going to be using is going to address uh, filling that need or um, helping out with that negative economic impact. So uh, again, whatever you are doing with respect to this first permitted use fund, you have to ask yourself these questions. You'll need to be documenting that um, all the way through so that that can help with the financial reporting and then, uh, and then the, audit, the audit as well. Uh, what was the next slide there? So uh, I, I, I neglected to say this. This permitted use has, again, those two prongs, right? Responding to the COVID emergency and then addressing the negative impacts, which may include aid to um, impacted industries, travel, tourism, small business, nonprofits. I'm going to focus on the first prong here on this slide. And again, these are just examples. Uh, and uh, there's a lot more examples that were listed in the interim rule but we've sort of picked the ones that we think are, are most focused at the local government level. Uh, one of those, you can see that second bullet, new public communication efforts. We've received a lot of that, uh, questions from our members the last couple of months as to whether or not they can use the, uh, the ARP funds, the recovery funds for making enhancements to their public meetings spaces um, and, and you know, purchasing new equipment that would allow you to expand the offerings to touch more people uh, through a virtual meeting? The answer here is clearly yes. Um, and I mentioned public meeting spaces. If you need to make enhancements to your buildings to account for uh, you know, COVID-19 mitigation efforts, spacing people out, um, you know, moving people around, again, a permitted use. Uh, you can see that there, the, the capital investments to meet pandemic operational needs. So that's important. Capital investments generally will not fall within this permitted use. You have to peg the capital investments to 
COVID-19 related efforts. Uh, purchases of PPE, uh, Joe talked about this a minute ago. You know, a lot of, I know a lot of the townships out there were, were making significant purchases last year. Uh, you will not be able to refund yourself for those purchases because again, the clock starts at least as of right now, as of March 3rd of this year. Um, so, so really in a lot of respects, uh, the recovery funds are, are supposed to be used prospectively as opposed to retrospectively. Employee COVID costs. What's that mean? If you, if you, uh, this is one where you can sort of look back a little bit, but if you have, if you have public work staff, public safety staff who are a significant portion of their job is focused on responding to COVID-19 issues, that would be uh, included as a permissible cost under this category. Uh, Melissa, can you move on to the next slide? Okay, uh, response to, to negative economic impact there, that NEI, that's what that stands for, just trying to shorten up the slides a little bit there. Uh, as I mentioned before, where you have to, with respect to responding to the COVID-19, you have to ask yourself um, about the harms. You have to do much the same analysis with respect to the negative economic impact. Was the economic harm suffered by either the township or uh, the nonprofits or the businesses or other impacted industry caused by COVID-19 and is the way in which that those funds are going to be used going to respond to those harms. Um, you know, when we talked back in March, we weren't 100% clear as to whether or not uh, townships could just issue you know, blanket funds to all of its residents, uh, all of its businesses. It, that is now clear. Uh, Treasury has made it absolutely clear that if you cannot give funds to individuals or businesses or industries that did not have a negative economic impact as a result of COVID. Uh, so that's one area where, where things have been tightened a little bit from initial estimates. Next slide, Melissa. Okay, uh, on the negative economic impacts, a couple of examples of permitted uses here. If you have unemployed workers, unemployed household, households struggling within your community, you can make grants and assistance to, uh, to those uh, individuals and households. If they did have impacts, you are automatically allowed to presume that um, that, that economic impact was caused as a result of, of COVID, which is helpful. Um, also, tech infrastructure. You can, you can assist through grant programs, loan programs to, to businesses and, and local industries uh, to improve their tech infrastructure. Uh, one thing I will clarify here, you see there on the third bullet down, nonprofits. Nonprofits are limited only to those who are uh, organized under section 501c3 of the Internal Revenue Code. So your fire companies, most of them should be organized under 501c3 because they can take advantage of the tax deductibility for donations. But if they are 501c6s, 501c4s, as of right now, um, they would not be eligible recipients of, uh, of funding. To the extent you have any employees who, um, who have been laid off and you have not been able to bring back for various financial reasons, you can use uh, the funds for those purposes as well. Uh, it's important that the transfers to these businesses and industries and nonprofits 
they do not have to be dollar for dollar. So they do not have to show you, hey, we had a, a $37,493 loss as a result of COVID. But at the same time, you have to make sure that your transfers are reasonably proportional to the overall impact on uh, on that business or industry. And there's some conversation in the rule about you know the tourism and, and how tourism is down by X percent. Um, so again, you just you have to make sure you're keeping within a reasonable window there. Uh, next slide. Okay, um, I, I sort of hit on, on on some of these you know the impacted industry, the mitigation efforts. If you want to help uh, local businesses, local restaurants, uh, make expansions to allow for more social distancing. Um, even though the CDC has sort of walked back some of those requirements here in the last day or so, you would be able to do that. Um, any projects that were delayed as a result of COVID would be eligible. Um, so there's lots of different ways that you can get this money out into your communities um, in order to help with the, you know, the economic impacts. Just keep in mind, there will be recording, reporting requirements. So any money that you are sending to uh, to the nonprofits, the industries, whatever, uh, you are going to be having to keep track of that. And you're going to have to be documenting why you gave it to them and how it connects to these permitted uses. Next slide. Okay, um, sort of weird to be talking about prohibited uses under a permitted use uh, category, but here we are. Um, what I've listed on this slide are absolute no-goes under category one. And I talked a little bit about this before. General infrastructure is off the table. You have to make sure that it connects to a specific public health need or a negative economic impact response. Also, rainy day funds. You cannot make allocations uh, to a township's uh, rainy day fund. At the same time, you don't have to go out and spend it immediately, right? So our recommendation is that when you get the funds, you create a separate account, interest-bearing account, and you leave them there. That would not be considered rainy day reserve, things like that. You also, uh, looking backwards, you cannot make any payments under category one for debt service, whether it's interest or principal, um, can't do that. Similarly, new debt, you can't use uh, these funds to pay the fees and costs to create new township debt. So not a whole lot of prohibited uses in this category, but just keep these in mind. Um, should be pretty straightforward. And, and again, you know, the big things here are, why are we doing this? Can we make a connection to COVID-19 or its economic impacts? And is what we are uh, spending the money on going to be a response to either of those? There, there are a few questions about uh, the telecommunications improvements and, and Zoom meetings and and all of the resources that would go along with that, that is absolutely a permitted use under category one because it allows you to, to respond in a way um, that allows more people who may be uncomfortable being in person to still participate in your local government meetings. Can, can I add to that, Scott? You're, you're absolutely correct, but that is one of the critical areas of documentation. We seen last year with the CARES Act the Commonwealth was kicking that back to entities that didn't link it to COVID. So that's where crops and T's and dot in the I's on link on, on that linkage to COVID and how that's a response to the pandemic is critical, not just 
and we just wanted to upgrade our phone system. That will not pass the mustard test at a Commonwealth. 